Welcome to Reigniting You, the show that explores a variety of topics and timely issues for making successful mid to late career transitions with a renewed sense of purpose and fulfillment for the next phase of your career and life, regardless of your age. Now, here's your host, Lisa Downs. Welcome to Reigniting You, where we talk all things career transition for those age 40 plus. I'm Lisa Downs, Seattle-based career and retirement transition coach. Great to be here with you today and our producer, Eric. Hey, Eric, Merry Christmas a little early. Yeah, same to you. Yeah. Are you looking forward to the holiday? Uh, You know, I I always feel like a little bit, uh, not full-on Scrooge, (laughs) a little (laughs) bit of hesitation, I guess, uh, until like right up till Christmas. And then, you know, once Christmas hits, I'm all about it. You know, it's just one of those things. I I don't know why, but I've always had just a little bit of trouble getting in the full swing of things before the actual holiday itself. Get a little little Scroogey. Leading yeah. up to it, yeah. Yeah, I try not to be a grump, no, but... <laughs> it's all right. You know, whatever works. <laughs> well, we've got another great show lined up for you today. My guest is career development manager and former Green Beret, Dave Montour. First, though, are a few career-related stories from the last few days. According to the New York Times, some of the largest corporations in America are joining an effort to push back against artificial intelligence software increasingly used in hiring due to a concern over potentially biased results. The Data and Trust Alliance has signed up employers such as CVS Health, Deloitte, GM, Humana, IBM, MasterCard, Meta, the parent company of Facebook, Nike, and Walmart, The group developed an evaluation and scoring system for AI software to detect and combat algorithmic bias. The Data and Trust Alliance seeks to address the potential danger of powerful algorithms being used in workforce decisions early rather than react after widespread harms are apparent, as Silicon Valley did on matters like privacy and amplification of misinformation. Governments around the world are moving to adopt rules and regulations. The European Union has proposed a regulatory framework for AI, while the White House is working on a Bill of Rights for AI. The Washington Post reports that Generation Z is feeling the stresses of the pandemic more than any other age group, according to a new U.S. survey just released. Higher proportions of young Americans between the ages of 13 and 24 say the pandemic has made their education, career goals, and social lives more difficult compared with millennials and Generation X. Nearly half of those in the Gen Z age group said the pandemic had made their schooling and career aspirations tougher, according to a survey conducted by the Associated Press NORC Center for Public Affairs Research with funding from MTV. The survey polled 3,764 people between 13 and 56 years of age from September 1st to 19th. About 45% of Gen Z respondents said maintaining ties with friends was harder, and 40% said their romantic relationships had become more difficult. Fewer Americans and older age groups reported the same difficulties, and they were less likely to say that the pandemic had disrupted their education or careers according to the survey. So Eric, thoughts on these first couple of stories today? 
Yes. Uh, you know, anything that uh, companies can do or we can do to make things fair, I always think is an important thing, you know. It, yeah. I mean, when you think about like software and stuff, it's always like the default assumption is that it's completely unbiased, but it's always, you know, going to take on the biases of the people that programmed it. It is. So, yeah. you know, any steps that we could take, uh, I think, to kind of iron that stuff out is very important, like, a, you know, a bill of rights kind of thing um, that they're talking about there. So I, I think that's hopeful. Yeah, I think so, yeah. too. Yep, you're right. You know, because um, from what I've read, you know, these um, softwares like, well, HireVue, V-U-E, is a big one that's out there that does the first, you know, initial screening interviews by uh, use of software these days. And um, from what I know from those systems, yeah, it's all about the input. And so some organizations, from what I've I've read or seen, um, sometimes they will use characteristics of their highest performing employees um, or, you know, characteristics of certain uh, personality or profile types to then plug into these systems. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, to me, the um, chance of bias is still pretty, <laughs> pretty high. Absolutely. So, you know, if you get someone who doesn't necessarily fit that mold, you know, then they're kicked out, right? And because the AI is picking up on things that, well, they're not, you know, a match for this or a match for that, or they can tell by your eye movements or something that, you know, um, that provides certain amount of information. So, yeah. Um, but it's good to see that some of the larger companies are starting to get on board with, with uh, you know, some regulation for that, or at least, um if they use those softwares that the interviews are reviewed by humans mm-hmm. as opposed to just the algorithms. So it's interesting. Yeah. We'll see. And uh, I thought it was interesting too about Gen, Gen Z. So yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. sad that they're yeah, struggling. I know there's just so much out there right now about mental health and the importance of our mental health and how we deal with these setbacks that people have been experiencing during the pandemic so yeah but yeah i i feel for them (laughs) yeah i think we're you know regardless of the generation a generation all kind of stressed out by this but um you know it it, i guess they have unique uh uh, they're a unique place in life i guess to be extra stressed so yeah yeah, i mean a, a little understanding and a little patience i think for everybody at this point in yeah. time goes a long way. I think so. I yeah. felt so bad for a lot of the kids who are graduating last year. So who had their high school or college graduations right. and couldn't have their parties or even have their commencement ceremonies and uh, felt bad about that. And, you know, not being able to really interact with their friends their last year of school. And that's tough. So no matter what. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, you know, if we're ever going to have compassion toward each other, <laughs> now's the time. <laughs> Compassionate understanding. This is probably the time. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. <laughs> well, we got a couple more stories here for you. Uh, reported by the Seattle Times, due to an expected silver tsunami in the maritime industry, with the average age of its workforce around 55. It's looking to attract younger people, people of color, and female-identifying and non-binary people. 
More than three out of four people in Seattle King County's maritime industry, for example, are white and 74% are men. It's unnecessary to have a four-year degree to work in the industry as it can be good enough to do a six-month training program or get a two-year certificate from the Seattle Promise Program or a local college. The Seattle Maritime Academy also has a nine-month maritime uh, marine engineering certificate program. Organizations such as the Youth Maritime Collaborative, Maritime Blue, Sea Potential, and the Youth Maritime Accelerator Project are working to connect the industry with students and people of color. With the aging out of much of the workforce, there's also an industry push for technological innovation and cleaner environmental practices to help attract younger workers. Lastly, as reported by the Detroit Free Press, beware of job scams if you're looking to work from home or for a flexible job. Consumer watchdogs are warning of an uptick in job scams, such as reshipping scams, as unemployed workers try to find jobs from home during the pandemic. Across Michigan, for example, the Better Business Bureau has received 10 reports of reshipping employment scams in the past six months. Many times victims discovered a job on a popular site such as LinkedIn, Indeed, or Craigslist, or the scammers troll sites looking for victims who have their resumes listed on these sites, and then the scammer might say the potential victim's resume is a good fit for a job opening at their company, according to the BBB. A reshipping scam involves receiving packages for supposed customers in a country unable to access Amazon to sell their products and then reship them elsewhere. The phony jobs use fancy titles such as shipping coordinator or logistics manager or package processing assistant or package handler, when in reality it's to assist in laundering stolen merchandise. There we go, Eric. Wow. Yeah, wow. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there are so many scams out there in the world. It's just... eh. It just makes me wonder if people can go to all that time and energy to come up with this stuff. Yeah. What if they put their minds to something good and and not crime, you know? Uh, I don't know. It would be nice if they put it towards something positive. Yes. Say. Exactly. You know, and and it's always frustrated me that uh, the scammers, of course, aim towards people that are already having a tough time, like the people unemployed looking for a job. They're already having a tough time. Give them a break. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it's the same thing. Like I, uh, we're selling a a car right now and it's a a low value car. um, Just trying to, you know, sell that for a fair price. But there's scammers uh, (laughs) that are trying to, you know, scam on that. And it's just like, why aren't you going for the guy selling the Rolls Royce and not the PT Cruiser? You know, (laughs) it's the same thing. Why are you going after, you know, poor unemployed people people. that are just trying to get by Uh, as opposed to the, uh, you know, CEO of Walmart or whatever? Uh, probably because they've got a lot of people uh, looking out for them. And, of course, the uh, the people that are unemployed don't have a lot of people looking yep, out for them, yep. unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's really sad to me. <laughs> yes. and, yeah, I was reading this. I hadn't heard of this reshipping thing before. So, yeah, no, that's a yeah, new one to me as one. well. Yeah. So, yeah, so apparently your job, your supposed job, 
is to, yeah, receive these packages that get sent to you. They have goods in them. Mm-hmm. You um, reseal them, take the old shipping information off, put the new shipping information on, and then, you know, head to FedEx or UPS or the post office to ship them back out. So I wonder if these folks that are what they call porch pirates, if you will, that are going around stealing packages off of people's I wouldn't doubt uh, it. You know, porches, are they involved with this too? Is that why it's it, so yeah. prominent? It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, and, and yeah, but it was a new one for me, and I, I had to kind of reread the article about it. Like, huh, I hadn't heard of that. But yeah, in reality, they're you know dealing in stolen goods. Yeah, most likely. But um, but there's, you know, other job scams, too, just, you know, ones that um, or people will be misleading because uh, I see, you know, as a coach, there are a lot of a, a lot of um, these job opportunities that are on the job boards that are for coaches. Mm-hmm. And then if you talk to the people, it, they're not, you know, scammy, but they can be misleading um, where it's. It's like, oh, you know, what they want is for you to be one of a gazillion coaches on a job board or a coaching board, basically like a coach's marketplace. And then, you know, it's a total crapshoot as opposed, you know, if if you're going to get any business from it. Right. But they advertise it like a role, like a job, and they have these job qualifications when in reality it's basically you still trying to just sell your wares on a marketplace site. Like kind of multi-level marketing kind, kind of, of thing. Yeah, yeah kind of like that. And um, so it's not a scam, you know, per se. Right. But it still, to me, is is a bit misleading when you've got it on a job board listed as a job mm-hmm. and not, a, you know, online repository for something. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's interesting, you know, what's out there. And, um, and I did see, I don't know if you saw it, but... Um, with the maritime industry, I did see uh, this feature article that was in the Sunday paper uh, a couple weeks ago, and it had profiles of um, of women um, who are working in the maritime industry, and they're supporting some of these nonprofits as well to help drive young folks and, That's great. and you know non traditional employees um, into the industry. So, we definitely cool. need more. Uh, more, you know, variety uh, in do. the hiring in the maritime industry for sure. Yeah, I mean, you can see it anytime, <laughs> you know, you, uh, you know, you look at like even like yep. the voters pamphlet on who's running for, you know, the port stuff, you know. Um, so I, I think that's good. Uh, anything that can increase diversity is yeah. a good thing. For sure. Um, and it's really fun to see their profiles. And, and I guess that um, there's about 70,000 people who work in the maritime industry here in Washington state. I didn't realize it was that many. That You know, that doesn't surprise me yeah. too much because we've got like two of the biggest ports in the country up here with yeah. uh, Seattle and Tacoma and then the uh, smaller ports as well, like Everett and you know, Olympia and Bellingham. Yep. And they all do a brisk business as well. Yeah. 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 No, that's interesting. But yeah, that, that's great. You know, I'm so happy to see that. And for the organizations who are um, doing what they can to bring in diverse workforce. So always happy to see that. Well, thanks, Eric. So it's time for our first break already. When we come back, I'll introduce our guest for the show, Dave Montour, who's here to talk about his career path, as well as supporting veterans with career transitions and more. 
Are you feeling challenged or frustrated without a plan for what's next in your career and life? Are you seeing writings on the wall for needing to make a mid to late career change and don't know how or what to do? Coach Lisa Downs of New Aspect Coaching can guide you to what's next, providing a fresh perspective and supporting you to create a clear and compelling vision for your future and a plan to move forward. Call Lisa at 425-216-3015. That's 425-216-3015. New Aspect Coaching, fresh perspectives for your career. back to Reigniting You, the show that focuses on all aspects of making mid to late career transitions. I'm your host, Lisa Downs. A note that you can catch the show Voices of Experience with host Paul Casey this Wednesday at 3 p.m. here on KIXI. Voices shines a light on people with, ex- with experience in their fields of travel, public affairs, adventure, health, and fitness with an emphasis on sustaining your own business. That's Voices of Experience this Wednesday at 3 o'clock. I'm happy to introduce today's guest, Dave Montour. Dave is a U.S. Army veteran who spent most of his 23-year career as a Green Beret. When most people hear that term, they think action and combat, and Green Berets do that, but another little-known mission of theirs is organizational training and development. Dave spent a lot of time training, coaching, and mentoring leaders, subordinates, and foreign militaries, as well as scouting for and placing unconventional talent. He's since brought those skills with him to the Microsoft Software and Systems Academy, where he now helps veterans transition into a career in tech. Hey, Dave, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Hey, great to be here, Lisa. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And I always like to start with guests, a bit of a tradition here on the show, to learn more about your career journey and past. So we learned a little bit there in your intro, but what's the story of how you've gotten to this point in your career? Uh, well, it certainly wasn't a linear path, right? Uh, what started off as a, a four-year-long expedition to get out of my hometown wound up turning into a 23-year career. You know, I wish I could say everything went according to some grand plan or design, but, you know, that's just not the case. I joined the Army a year into community college. I was going to school and working three full-time jobs in a small town in upstate New York, and, you know, I was completely miserable. <laughs> you know, I wanted more. I wanted to, to suffer and to test myself, right? Like like a lot of young men do. So I joined the army, you know, became an infantryman and uh, tried to see what I was made of. And um, that lasted about three years. And to some degree, I did find out what I was made of. But the uh, sort of arbitrary nature of peacetime regular army, pre-9-11 army was just not for me. So I made plans to get out. And right around that time, a good friend of mine had just returned from special forces selection and told me that he had found the hidden promised land of the army that we were both looking for when we joined <laughs> the land of the quiet the land of the quiet professionals right so i uh i put my plans to get out on hold and i gave it a shot and you know that uh worked out well and i spent about 17 years as a green beret doing that most of it in south and southeast asia mm. uh training as we said coaching mentoring foreign nation military leaders very heavy on <clears throat> emotional intelligence, cross-cultural communication, systems thinking, negotiation skills. A lot of fun after doing that. For about a decade, though, uh, I needed something new. So I uh, volunteered for a team that was made of some more senior folks uh, doing operations and intelligence program management at some of our embassies. 
And uh, that opened my eyes up quite a bit to the greater workings of the military planning and where we fit into the grand scheme of things and diplomacy, foreign policy, all that good stuff. And But what it really did for me was give me a chance to work side by side with some very high level marketers and communicators, people who made friends and sold ideas at very high levels where networking was like a way of life, not something you had to do at certain mm. parts of your career. So, you know, all of that you can imagine became just so useful when I made my own transition uh, from the military to this filling world in the middle of 2019. I originally landed a corporate communications role with a very well-known global brand. Um, but after about six months, I realized that I'd made a mistake and that wasn't for me. So I, uh, I left that and landed doing what I'm doing now with the Microsoft Software and Systems Academy. So I took all those skills that I accrued throughout the years and put them to use every single day, helping other veterans make the transition from uh, the military to civilian world. And then on the side, because you know I make my, or I take my own advice when I tell people that they don't have to get fulfillment from only one place, that they probably need some kind of creative outlet. I also have a small copywriting business where I've helped um, service-based businesses, photographers, coaches, and then uh, some e-commerce, global e-commerce brands do uh, with some marketing. That's so cool. I love how you've got that, uh, you know, uh, on the side as well. So kind of having your hands in both, both of those worlds. And I'm sure you've learned a ton over your career and those experiences in the Army and, and now with your current work. Uh, what would you say is a key lesson or two that really stands out for you? Yeah, uh, I'd say in the context of a career pivot, uh, one of the bigger lessons I've learned is that very little of this actually comes back to skills or education, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I first learned this actually when I when I tried out for Special Forces is you know, I was surrounded by people who were bigger, stronger, faster, smarter than me, um, but I outlasted them because guys, very average looking guys like me outlasted them because we were just more willing to do the hard stuff than they were, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not about being the best of anything. It's really not. More than anything, the people who succeed are the people who are willing. And and when I say willing, I don't mean to sound cheesy, like they're willing to do whatever it takes or, you know, anything like that. I'm not talking about the obvious stuff, like uh, being willing to put in long hours or hard work. That's like table stakes, right? You know, I'm talking about willingness to do really uncomfortable things, like look stupid or come across as naive, which is which happens when you knew it's something, right? Yeah. You know, we pay a lot of lip service uh, to trying new things or putting yourself out there or don't be afraid to fail. But, you know, we forget what it actually feels like to do those things. It's not glorious to feel, you know, to fail. It's not glorious to feel naive. And when you really think about it, put yourself on the market for something you never bought before is to run the risk of, of looking like all those things. And, yeah. You know, that scares people, scares people way more than simply being considered new and ignorant. Mm-hmm. I, I can deal with that. Right. You know, and there are other examples, but that's one I've heard repeatedly. Um, you've also got to have a strong internal drive for whatever it is you're trying to do, because, you know, you're going to endure really long bouts of silence when you're doing this. Right. Total absence <laughs> of feedback, uh, especially when it comes to career transitions. So you know, part of the reason you hear people say over and over again that you have to have that deep why. Right. That I'm sure you tell your clients is. Yeah. You know, you're going to do long periods without knowing if what you're doing is even working. Right. Mm -hmm. So for some time, you're going to be running on faith that that it's going to play out in the end and that it's all going to work out. And so in order to do that, you just have to be driven, driven internally because the market's just not going to really necessarily encourage you um, or correct you in obvious ways along the way. So knowing why you're doing it and then having the willingness to do the hard stuff that nobody talks about. It's just key. Yeah. It trumps talent, trumps talent and skill all day. 
Well, thanks so much for sharing that. And, and I think, yeah. you know, you raise two great points um, around that vulnerability piece, you know, so allowing yourself yeah. to be vulnerable, um, which, you know, to me only shows authenticity that you're a human and, you yeah. know, a real person. And, and yeah, it's just, um, and understanding that sometimes stuff is going to go into that black hole, you know, never yeah. to be heard from yep. again, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. yep. Frustrating it's as that might be. Yeah. It is. It's frustrating and uncomfortable and makes you question, you know, and, and um, can lead to, you know, if you let it, can lead to lower confidence too, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. If yeah. you let it fester, it absolutely will. Yeah. And what else have you found that was particularly helpful to you as you made your different career transitions? So whether that was decision, you know, decisions you made, information, people who supported you, resources. Yeah. Um, you know, one of my biggest takeaways, especially coming from a career where inner strength is so appreciated and valued, was allowing myself to lean on others, right? Um, I mean, it really is. I've even go, I'll even go so far nowadays to say that I, I believe it is a fool's errand to try to make it on your own, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for, for as long as there have been human beings, there have been human being problems and therefore human being solutions, right? So, you know, chances are whatever you're trying to solve or work through has been solved before, yeah. right? So, you know, and just to not reach out to people who already went through what you're currently going through is just foolish in my opinion. So, you know, find a mentor and lean on them. And then, you know, and I understand like from an intellectual curiosity perspective, because I'm this way that, you know, wanting to figure out, you know, figure it out on your own or find your own path. But, you know, understanding when to allow yourself to play around like that and and when it's time to reach out for guidance. You're just going to save yourself a lot of time and heartache if you let if you do it. So um, but along with that, you know, my second takeaway would be, uh, you know, network is not a dirty word if you're doing it right. You know, yeah. it gets a bad rap in a lot of communities. I'd say none worse than in the military. Um, yeah, most of us, when we start a transition, we think of it as a sleazy thing you have to do almost like a, like a rite of passage into the civilian world. Right. But yeah. it's really, it's just not that if you know how to do it. Right. So one of the authors of a fantastic book, I'm sure you're, you're familiar with designing your life, Dave mm-hmm. Evans, he did a podcast where he explained how he taught his students to think of networking as asking for directions. Right. Yeah. So no different than if you were walking through college campus one day and didn't know where you were going and you had to stop someone and ask them how to get to the library, right? I mean, you're not bothering them. You're not wasting their time. You're just acknowledging that they've been around longer and that they know where you're going and you're just saying, hey, how do I get to where you've already been, right? Yeah. So, you know, approaching networking that way, allowing yourself to reach out to others who've already been where you're trying to go to. Um, yeah, I found those to be just a, a solid approach to getting through those, those uncertain times. Someone's done it before. You just find them and lean on them. Let yourself do that. That's great. Yeah, all about building relationships, right? <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah. Was there um, was there ever a time when you had some regret about a career decision? Uh, you know, this may sound uh, a little bit like a little bit of a cop out, but, I, you know, I really try not to entertain regret um, in cases like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't always this way, but... Uh, you know, my own story unfolded the way it did because it was supposed to. And I truly believe that. Um, I mean, I used to wish I had tried out for a, a particular specialized unit in the Army. But let's say I could travel back in time and do that. I mean, I wouldn't have my family, <laughs> you know, and for all I know, I could, I could be dead. Right. So, uh, and, you know, and when I first retired, even, you know, I wish I had done so at the 20 year mark instead of waiting until the 23 year mark. But 
But if I did that, then, you know, I wouldn't have had the depth of, of self-awareness and the soft skills, you know, that, uh, that I had when I did retire. Yeah. And it would have just been a much more, much more daunting and difficult process. So it's all a trade-off and, and changing anything might've made some things better, but it would have altered other things. So I don't even bother with it. Um, yeah, no. And, you know, and I will say this too, I've actually had some recent conversation with friends about this managing regrets and, uh, I'm really grateful that I have this perspective. I, I consider it a gift from my father um, because, I mean, just regret from what I've seen is just uh, might as well be synonymous with pain, mm-hmm. you know, for, for for all it does for you. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's yeah. really good. And yeah, it's like, to me, it's just all a learning experience. And, and yeah, it's, you know, if we had gone down other roads, we wouldn't have the people in our lives that we do now necessarily. Yeah. So. That's, yeah, that's it's very all part cool. of the ride. It is. Yeah, very cool. And um, what recommendations do you have for someone who's going through a time of change and transition just to stay focused and motivated and positive throughout the process? Yeah, yeah. I, as someone who used to try to have his hands on every aspect of his life, I, I say that, uh, you know, you have to have a really clear idea of what you do control and what you don't. And and the things you don't control, like they aren't going to change or improve just because you're worrying about them. And, and we we all say we know this, right? We all say we know this, but we don't act like it, right? Um, look up the Serenity Prayer and and do your best. Just Google that and and do your best to embody that. That's what I would say. That that short little blurb, it, you know, it may sound like an Instagram motivational post, but <laughs> that thing has helped. It's helped millions of alcoholics stay sober, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and not for no reason. And there is no reason why it can't get you through this little bout of ambiguity in your career shift, right? So I would say on that note, you know, I spent almost two decades of my life in, in ambiguous environments. And, and let me say that uh, chaos is the norm, yeah. not the ex- <laughs> not the exception. And, and just because it's chaotic doesn't mean you've done something wrong or you're lost control. Like yeah. act on what you can, let the rest go, eat well, drink water, sleep you know, stay connected, right? Especially with people and you'll be fine. And I know nobody wants to hear that. We want a silver bullet to make the uncertainty go away. But, you know, I mean, the only thing that even closely resembles a silver bullet is, is, you know, to, to take care of yourself and just embrace the chaos yeah. and just yeah. maybe allow yourself a daily dose of self-forgiveness as well. Yeah, that's good advice and control what we can control. <laughs> yeah, big time. Yeah. And um and who would you say has been a big influence on your career or life that really contributes to who you are now or to your work? Yeah. Uh well, my father, um first and foremost, you know, when I became a father, I was told that the way I talked to my son would eventually become his inner monologue. Mm. And I can say that that is absolutely true. I, I still hear my father's voice daily uh, telling me to calm down or take it easy on yourself, David, or, you know, give myself a break. And it's it's a great built in resilience mechanism for someone like me who can be just so scathingly self-critical. Now, yeah. another aspect about my father that's just always fascinated with me. Um, and I feel like I've gotten to know him better since he passed just from talking to his brothers and sisters is that he was the oldest of 10 wow. raised in raised in a very conservative, uh, traditional Catholic Irish Italian household in New York City in the early 1900s, right? And, but by the time I was a young adult, he was having me read books about the Buddha and Stoicism and Eric Hoffer, right? Uh, Not the mental and values-based frameworks he was raised with by any stretch, 
but you know, he created and stuck to his own values. Mm -hmm. and, and then he passed them on to me and gave me permission to do that for myself, right? Which was huge. Um, and I'll say this too, when I first joined the army, I had a couple of leaders who went against the grain in terms of what leadership looked like in in that peacetime pre 9-11 military I alluded to earlier, right? It was a pretty harsh place to be honest. Yeah. It's almost like it's almost like because there was no war going on that we had to prove our mettle in other ways, mm. which looked a whole lot like too many regulations, uh, way too much yelling and screaming. And I know it sounds a little petty, but in truth, that's part of why I almost left, you yeah. know, after my first enlistment. You know, um, it was very arbitrary. We didn't treat each other very well. But I tell you this, when my grandmother passed, uh, we were about to leave for a training exercise. And the norm at the time was for leadership to say, sorry about your grandma, pack your bags and get on the plane. Mm. Um, and uh, but my leader stood up for me. You know, they coached me through how to talk to our commander, how to get him to get me to go home. One even drove me around to help me buy plane tickets and uh, dropped me off at the airport, which sounds like what a leader should do for soldiers. But for the environment at the time, that was huge violation of cultural norms mm. and they didn't have to do that. Right. But they went against the grain to do what was right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, uh, and I talked to that guy about 20 years later and he barely remembered it, wow. which was, I think another lesson in itself. Right. Yeah. Isn't which that is, interesting? You know, yeah. yeah. Right? I just, yeah. So, Very you cool. know, I've, yeah, I've just tried to keep that stuff in mind and embody yeah. those traits where I stick to my own values, regardless of the social cost and where I help people when I can, even if for no other reason, then I'm in a position to do so. That's great. Well, thanks so much, Dave, for you know cool. sharing about your career journey and lessons. And it's time for our next break. So when we come back, Dave and I will talk in more detail about career transitions for veterans and much more. Hi, I'm Lisa Downs, career and retirement transition coach and host of Reigniting You on KIXI. I guide age 40 plus professionals to gain clarity, a renewed sense of purpose and a career transition plan within 90 days so you can lead a fulfilling life regardless of your age. If you're not sure what's next for you, I can help. Let's talk about what your future can look like. Visit yournewaspect.com or call me at 425-216-3015. That's 425-216-3015. New Aspect Coaching, fresh perspectives for your career. Have a career transition-related question or want to share your best or worst job story? Call 360-436-6496. That's 360-436-6496. Just leave a voicemail and we'll answer your question or share your story on a future show. Stay tuned for more Reigniting You with Lisa Downs. to Reigniting You, the show that discusses timely issues and topics about career transitions for Gen Xers and Boomers. I'm your host, Lisa Downs. A reminder that if you'd like to get in touch, you can head on over to my website, yournewaspect.com. There you can download and take my free career transition readiness quiz, as well as sign up for my free weekly career tips e-newsletter, or just send me a note. Be great to hear from you. That's yournewaspect.com. Well, we're here with career development manager and former Green Beret, Dave Montour. Uh, Dave, let's go ahead and jump back into our conversation. Uh, what would you say is the top challenge or two that military veterans face when entering the civilian workforce? Well, 
There's a, a couple of different ways to answer this. One from the perspective of a veteran who's just beginning their transition or one who's just starting with their new private sector company. Those are like the two major gates. Um, but because there are so many variables for the experience, you know, for the people just starting at the new company, I'll focus on the common transition challenges. And one of them, without a doubt, and I know you've seen this, is their lack of private sector vocabulary, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not talking jargon like, you know, calling vacation PTO instead of calling it leave. That's easy stuff. I'm, I'm talking about how a lot of the skills we embody that make us valuable, we don't even realize are considered skills in the first place, right? Um, you know, the private sector names for things that we don't even realize are things in and of themselves. Quick example would be relationship management. Look, in the military, you work with other teams. You just do. Right? It's, it's not an occasion. It's just another day. It's not worth calling out. Certainly not worth calling out. But in the private sector, look, if you spend a good portion of your day facilitating cooperation between two entities, right, or more, you're, and you're really good at it, then, you know, relationship management is a strength you need to highlight. And a sought after one at that, right? Mm -hmm. And but that's not the kind of thing you can Google and learn, right? So you know what that looks like as a challenge is that we market ourselves in all the wrong ways, or or we undersell ourselves. So either we look at our hard skills and we think we have nothing to offer because hard skills don't transfer, right? Like no one's going to pay me to carry a rifle in the woods or operate a certain radio, but you know we look at our soft skills and then we think. You know, we're more limited than we are. Usually we think too generically. Yeah. Uh, we focus on things like leadership or accountability, something that it's often assumed a veteran possesses already. Right. So, you know, it's already expected of us. So I would say one of the best things a transitioning service member can do is to get a feel for all the things they do on a daily basis, figure out what the private sector calls it, and then work that into their value proposition. And then a close second for this one is definitely looking at LinkedIn is as just another social media platform instead of the job search force multiplier that it is. It's, you know, it is becoming more common to see military professionals engage on LinkedIn while they're in, right? Mm -hmm. And talk openly about their career moves. I just passed ranger school today, whatever. Um, you know, but a lot of the combat arms and special operations branches um, approach the platform, I would say, with an abundance of caution uh, as an understatement, or they just avoid it outright. Yeah. Uh, and that makes sense for security reasons while you're in. But, you know, when you're transitioning, like you need to get past that, man, and understand that LinkedIn is not Facebook and then it's not going to be really hard or, or it is rather going to be really hard to find a job if people don't know you're looking for a job in the first place. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, learning your new language and leveraging LinkedIn are, are what I consider the top two okay. tactical challenges for yeah. transitioning service members. Gotcha. And yeah. What's been your experience or what have you seen with veterans uh, taking the first job that comes along once they leave the military? And what's the impact of doing that potentially? Yeah, uh, that that really depends on how you're wired, uh, like personality traits speaking. Right. So, you know, ultimately you need to land something. Everyone does. You uh, you need to keep the money rolling in somehow, even if it's just you with no debt. Right. You have to account for Maslow's bottom layer of food, right. water, shelter, sustenance, safety. Uh, some people can do literally anything to cover that. They're not looking to climb the ladder of self-actualization through their employer, right? They just need yeah. a paycheck. They want their work to fund their lifestyle. People like that can take any job that comes along and their transitions tend to be pretty easy, almost fun. 
uh, it's the rest of us, people like me, <laughs> where it gets <laughs> where it gets tricky, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if you're like if you're like me, you need a lot of things to line up in order to enjoy your job, your daily life. You mm -hmm. need a higher purpose to your work. You need to be surrounded by good people. Um, and, you know, and there's just no awesome paycheck that's going to make up for a deficit in either one of those two things. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a statistic that says about 40 percent of veterans will leave their first post-military career within the first year and a full 80 percent will leave their second post-military job before the end of the second year. And I think mm. a big reason for that is because we spent our time in the military doing jobs we didn't like yep. and suppressing suppressing your own wants and needs and basically making do right uh, which is honorable when you're in making the best yeah. of our situations for and for a for an okay paycheck right you know um but then we separate and for some of us a company comes along and offers us sometimes a pretty righteous paycheck right yeah. and 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 we see some red flags about culture and leadership in the company but we overlook them we think we see the paycheck and we think I have dealt with much worse for much less. This will be a cakewalk, <laughs> but it's not that way. It's just not when you're no longer on orders and, and you no longer have to stick out that bad assignment. It is a whole different ball game. And so, you know, a lot of us, we overestimate our ability to put up with less than ideal circumstances. Mm -hmm. and, and we don't allow ourselves to accept to accept as valid, like our own wants and needs. We consider that being picky or high maintenance, even though it's not, you know, um, yeah. You know, you just, you just, it's just, you're prolonging the whole transition and the ambiguity for yourself and your family by doing this, right? So, you know, you owe it to yourself, you know, to get, to get that right. It's not high maintenance to honor your needs, but the military drills it in us, you know, it drills it into us that that is the case. And so, oh, yeah. but it's really not, it's really not. So if you're kind of person who struggles at them or that struggles with that rather than you just, uh, you know, just think of how much more people get out of you right when your needs are met and you're doing you know just understand that you're doing the world a service when you take care of yourself yeah for sure and yeah, yeah and so much of as you know so much of career transition is about um, doing that self-assessment piece yeah. and um considering all sides of yourself you know when it comes to deciding what's next and and what do you see is needed with that um whether coming out of the military a military career or otherwise yeah. Um, so kind of branching off my previous answer, the, the, you know, the first thing you might consider is trying to understand what kind of person you are. And, but like even before building on that, I talked a little bit about that. But, you know, I want to bring up the fact that a lot of service members don't even start that self-assessment process until they're less than six months away from transition, which is a huge wow. mistake. Yeah. Huge mistake. Like we, we've just spent how many years suppressing our own wants and needs for a the good lot. of the organization? Yeah. <laughs> Admirably so. Some of us, yeah, it's two decades, right? And, and that's not something you can flip a switch and turn back on in a matter of days or weeks, not even months. Uh, I, I mean, it takes a lot of us closer to a year or more to get even close. And then another two or three years to figure it out. And, you know, there's a reason there's so many veterans out there saying they're three years post-separation and still in transition. Yeah. They're not making a they're not making a lame joke. That's absolutely true. Now, you know, that said, like, what should it look like? I mean, there, you know, there's a ton, you know, there's a, there's a ton of self-assessment tools out there, strengths, finders, personality test. Um, but, you know, even before that, you can start just by asking yourself some really simple questions like, you know, how much of your fulfillment needs to come from your job, right? Can you take something that's good enough for now while you chase fulfillment outside of your work? Um, is the work even good in, like, or is the work enough or do you also need to be surrounded by certain kinds of people, right? So, yeah. 
Um, like I said, it's not a matter of being picky. It's just a matter of understanding your personality, not fighting how you're wired. And so the more willing you are to dig into this uh, stuff and, and understanding what you need uh, to thrive on a daily basis, the easier it's going to be to to identify, but also to tell people what you're looking for. Right. Yeah, we yeah. talked about asking people people for help. So um, and, and, you know, the deal, this is applicable for anybody in any life phase transition, not just the military, but, you know, another thing I would just say one little thing is transitioning service members need to treat this like it's a major life phase transition because mm -hmm. it absolutely is. Oh yeah, definitely. And, yeah. and, and about how long does it typically take for someone to fully transition out of the military and what contributes to the, that time frame? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I mentioned a couple numbers earlier, but I will say it, uh, it depends on how willing, and there's that word again, right? Like how willing the person is to do the inner work, to understand who they are, where they came from and what they need to thrive. So like in the previous answer, I talked about the importance of knowing how you're wired, but you know, there's also, you know, having a comprehensive understanding of your whole story, right? Mm. Like that's huge. There's, there's some interesting scientific literature out there about uh, the concept of identity integration and the treatment of PTSD and whether you've mm -hmm. been to combat or not doesn't really matter. The point is that any kind of challenge to your identity will result in some level of pain or discomfort, yeah. you know, and, and of course, leaving the military challenges your identity, not in a bad way, but, but that doesn't matter. It challenges who you see yourself as, and that's mm -hmm. no small thing, right? But a lot of people don't even understand that that's what's going on. They think it's some you know, something more surface level, right? Like they chose the wrong job or they missed their old unit or they missed the old routine, something like that. And maybe some of that's true on some scale, but, you know, often there's something way deeper going on and it has to do with your ability to look back in your life and make sense of your whole story arc uh, from childhood until where we are today and be in that, like as if your life were being trim, transposed onto a map, right? It will then inform where you're going to go from here. So you can imagine if you were looking at a map and, you know, trying to figure out where to go, it would be hard to do so if you didn't know where you came from and where you currently are. And you need to know those things before you can make detailed plans for where to go. It's no different with a career life transition. Yeah. Um, until you've made sense of your story in its entirety, you're going to have some underlying sense of restlessness and you're not going to know where it's coming from. You're just not going to feel settled. And that's what makes transitions last as long as they do. Mm -hmm. So those who take the time to make sense, of and, and integrate with their story, uh, they have shorter transitions. They, those who fight it, they struggle, and uh, it's just it takes them a, a little bit longer to adjust. Yeah, good to know. And um, and what's the crux of your work with the Microsoft Software and Systems Academy? Um, and what do you enjoy most about it and find challenging with it? Yeah, so for MSSA, I handle what we call the professional development side of the program for cohorts of 15 current and former service members at a time. Mm. Um, basically, we help them become network admins and software developers, right? So we have a technical curriculum, and then we have the um, job search career pivot side, which is where people like you and me and our mutual friend, Jennifer Master, operate, helping people build out their, uh, you know, their resumes and prepare for interviews and getting a LinkedIn profile up and, yep. you know, and ready and coaching people, right? Uh, so, um, you know, things like that. And uh, until recently, one of my biggest challenges was actually getting the time to do the introspection with them that we've been talking about. Mm. So, you know, because for a while we just didn't have enough time in the curriculum. We just didn't have the space to do it, to really work that in. But um, 
I work on an amazing team with some awesome people and they've since revamped the curriculum and it's, it's pretty incredible what they put together. So uh, the first third or so of the program, it's four months long. The first third or so is just the participants trying to make sense of, of themselves and what they want and, and what they're good at, which is so sorely needed and so awesome to see. But, um, you know, my other greatest challenge has always been and probably always will be uh, just giving each individual the time that I think they deserve, right? Like yeah. there's one of me, there's 15 of them, you know, and I think I'm always going to have that feeling that I wish I could have done more for each person. You know, I mean, you could honestly have cohorts of two. And I'll still wish sure. I could have done more. I'll just have to make peace with that. But, uh, you know, the best part of the job is always, it's always, always the email or the DM or the text that comes in that says, Dave, I got an offer. You That's just, cool. there's no, there's just no beating that. There's just no beating that. That's great. Yeah. It's how I feel when a, a client yeah. lands that role, right? <laughs> lands a job yeah. and oh, yeah, makes, makes it, it all worth it, makes it through yeah. the other side and. Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, you know, speaking of that introspection piece, what would you say are two to three top questions you think we can all be asking ourselves when we're looking to make a career transition? Yeah. Um, all, not just military. I would say the first question I would focus on is, you know, to ask yourself, like, what you're trying to get out of this, right? Like, yeah. which, you know, it doesn't seem like any big deal on the surface, but when you dig down a little bit, that's not as easy an answer as most people initially suspect, especially, you know, for service members who have been trained to put the organization first. But even for people who are never, you know, in the military, there's still, I mean, there's still a lot of people thinking about this who were raised in households where you put the family first or where you deferred to the parents' wishes or maybe, maybe you've internalized some society-imposed limiting beliefs, right? You can't do that unless blah, 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 right? Um, there's all kinds of rules we live by that have no reason to even exist. And um, there's all kinds of reasons why people might want to change but struggle to make it happen. So allowing yourself to get clear on why you want to make the change and what you want to get out of it is probably the single best thing you can do. And, you know, leading off of that, the second thing is, you know, now you've identified what you want is ask yourself if a career transition is even what you need, right? Mm -hmm. Is that even necessary? You know, just make sure that that's the answer to your problems before you go making any big moves. Because, you know, I mean, we say this cliche all the time, right? Um, is that most people don't leave a job. They leave a manager, yeah. right? So, so ask yourself, are you unhappy with the people you're surrounded by? Or are you unhappy with the actual work, right? Is mm -hmm. there something less disruptive that might also satisfy this desire? Can you move to another team? Do you, can you get a side gig as a creative outlet? Just make sure you're doing this for the right reasons and don't think that that's the only option out there, right? Um, it's a disruption, man. <laughs> it's a lot, right? And you it know is. that. Uh, and then the third question I would say is, uh, you know, is the timing right for me to do this? So, mm -hmm. you know, obvious questions for timing would be your financial situation, state of the industry, right? You know, but don't forget about life stuff, right? In your personal life, how balanced are you right now? You Like you need to be at your best during this time, yeah. during this process. And it is hard to do so if you're already overwhelmed, right? It is insanely stressful trying to manage a career transition while uh, helping an elderly parent navigate healthcare, for example. Um, and I know a lot of Gen Xers, right, in their 40s and early 50s right now are feeling that. So, you know, and, and timing in general typically is one of those things we have very little control over. Um, so, 
and the very few chances you do have a chance to exert some control over it, go ahead and and allow yourself to do so. But yeah, yeah what what are you what are you trying to accomplish? Is this the only option? And is now the right time? Those are the ones I would suggest you ask yourself. Well, thanks all much for that. So uh, so Dave, yeah. last question is: How can people find yeah. you if they'd like to get in touch? Yeah, um, I am the only Dave Montour on LinkedIn, which makes me feel just so special. And then um, I also have a work in progress landing page for my copywriting business. Um, whether you need marketing help or not, if you just want to go through that, that's just that's just as easy. There's a contact form there. Uh, but that's at uh, montoursolutions.com. You can find me there. So Great. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Dave, for being here and you sharing bet. your tips and recommendations. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to be here. I appreciate yeah. the offer. Thanks, Lisa. You bet. Take care and have good holidays. Yeah, you too. All right. Well, it's time to wrap up today's show, and that means it's also time for my reignition recommendation, your weekly career transition tip regardless of your age. My tip for you this week is to get out of any victimhood by letting go of resentment and grudges. You know, it really doesn't serve you well or anyone else well to really be holding on to things from the past or if you are you know finding that you're thinking well why me or woe is me when you're in career transition you know that's really taking on that role of victim so instead of that you know thinking about well you know who or what uh, might I need to forgive to move forward sometimes that's ourselves for our own behavior sometimes it's it's other people if we feel that we've been slighted or wronged in some way at a previous job with a previous employer or manager. Um, sometimes it's really recognizing what your role is in things. So what have you done or haven't done to contribute to the situation? And then acknowledging that. And then what are some new habits or new behaviors that you'd like to take on to change that in some way for the better? And just really recognizing, you know, kind of goes back to what Dave was talking about earlier in the show of, you know, controlling what you can control. And so much of what we can control is our own mindset and our own attitude and really making an intentional choice in terms of the behavior that we want to embody to be able to move forward. So just get out of victim victimhood, let go of any grudges or resentments you might be holding on to. And just a reminder that if you'd like to get in touch, you can go to my website, yournewaspect.com, where you can download and take my free career transition readiness quiz or sign up for my free weekly career tips e-newsletter or send me a note. That's yournewaspect.com. So thanks, Eric, for your support today. What jumped out at you from our time with Dave? Oh, what a great conversation. What a fascinating guy. Yeah. And I thought the uh, the questions that uh, you should ask yourself before uh, considering uh, career transition were very important. So good. Yeah, yeah. so good. So good. And uh, I only am sad that we didn't get to ask him what he thinks about that song, The Fighting Men, The Green Berets. You know that song? <laughs> the Green Beret song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I, you know, I've like never talked Should to a Green Beret before. Dang it. And that's such a great song, in my opinion. But, that's excellent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much. And join us next Monday at three o'clock when my guest will be business transition expert, John Martinka. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week on Reigniting You. 